is Lonnie Parker Pierce. Let's talk about our past and determine our future. Frederick Douglass was a pivotal figure in America's history, an abolitionist, writer, orator, statesperson, and more. He became a leader of the abolitionist movement and a brilliant speaker, despite having next to no formal education. He wrote several autobiographies detailing his time as a slave and after he escaped slavery. I chose my cover art, the Frederick Douglass Stamp, because it was issued in February of 1967 in response to the civil rights movement. I'm glad that Douglas's achievements and strength of character have been recognized, but I think he still has so much more to teach us. Maybe looking back on his life can help us in our current social reckoning. Let's jump in. Frederick Douglass was born Frederick Augustus Washington Bailey in Maryland. He was born into slavery. Although Douglas didn't know his birth year, another historian later found records that confirmed he was born in 1818. He chose February 14th as the day to celebrate his birthday each year, since his mother had called him her little Valentine. Douglas was likely Native American and European in ethnicity, as well as of African descent on his mother's side. His father was likely white. He was separated from his mother at an early age. It was common in that part of Maryland for slave owners to force slave families to do this. He lived with his maternal grandmother, Betsy Bailey, who was a slave, and his grandfather, Isaac, who was free from slavery. His mother was only able to visit him a few times before she died when Frederick was seven years old. When he was six, he was separated from his grandparents and moved to the Y House Plantation, then to the Ald family in Baltimore. Lucretia Ald and Sophia Ald took a special interest in young Frederick and taught him how to read and supported his reading for a while. He later learned more from white children in the neighborhood and by observing the writings of the men he worked for. When he was 12 years old, he read The Columbian Orator and it started him on the path of condemning the institution of slavery and championing human rights. Frederick later learned that his mother had known how to read as well. Douglas was later sent to a plantation owned by William Freeland. While there, he taught other slaves to read at a weekly Sunday school. After about six months, plantation owners arrived at the gathering with clubs and stones and permanently stopped the school. When Douglas was 15, he was sent to work for Edward Covey, and was treated much worse than under his previous owners, including regular whippings. While this was a horrific experience, it also strengthened Douglas's spirit. 16-year-old Douglas finally fought back against Covey, and after that, Covey never beat him again. Douglas wrote of this time, quote, You have seen how a man was made a slave. You shall see how a slave was made a man. After previous unsuccessful escape attempts from slavery, Douglas met Anna Murray, a free black woman in Baltimore, and they fell in love. Murray gave him an outfit and money to help him successfully escape. In 1838, he escaped by train, 
then by steam ferry through Delaware, then through Pennsylvania, and finally to New York City. In New York, he found David Ruggles, a noted abolitionist. Murray soon followed Douglas to New York, and they got married under the last name Johnson. The couple lived in Massachusetts and changed their last names at that time to Douglas. Frederick joined the African Methodist Episcopal Zion Church, an independent black church whose members included Sojourner Truth and Harriet Tubman. He became a licensed preacher in 1839, which further helped him become a powerful speaker. Douglas joined several organizations in New Bedford, Massachusetts, and regularly attended abolitionist meetings. He was greatly influenced by William Lloyd Garrison's weekly newspaper called The Liberator. In turn, Garrison wrote about Douglas and his views in his newspaper starting in 1839. As Douglas attended more meetings and events, he was increasingly invited to speak, and over time overcame his nervousness to become an eloquent speaker about his life as a slave. In 1843, Douglas attended a six-month tour of meetings with the American Anti-Slavery Society's 100 Conventions Project. The group traveled throughout the United States. Douglas was harassed on the tour by white slavery supporters, and in Indiana, he was beaten by an angry mob. His hand was broken in the attack and never healed properly, bothering him for the rest of his life. In 1845, Douglas wrote his first and most well-known book, Narrative of the Life of Frederick Douglass, an American Slave. The book was an instant hit, and within three years was reprinted nine times. It was also translated into French and Dutch and sold in Europe. He then traveled to England and Ireland. While there, he gave many lectures in churches and chapels, often to a standing-room-only crowd. Also during his travels, his supporters in Europe raised the money to buy his freedom from the owner he had escaped from eight years before. Despite many requests from others to stay in Europe, Frederick Douglass returned to his family and the people in the U.S. who still needed his help. In 1847, Douglass started his own newspaper, The North Star, in Rochester, New York. His relationship with competing publisher William Lloyd Garrison suffered both because they were now competitors and because Garrison had begun to promote the more violent and radical types of opposition to slavery. Douglas helped with the Underground Railroad and continued to give abolitionist speeches. He also met with radical abolitionists who wanted to commit violent acts to bring attention to their cause. Douglas disagreed with these methods, telling them that these actions would only infuriate white people in the U.S. He was right about this. Other causes he championed were the treatment of black soldiers in the Civil War and black suffrage. He attended the Seneca Falls Convention in 1848, the first women's rights convention in the U.S. The attendees discussed women's suffrage, which a majority of them actually opposed. Douglas gave an impassioned speech and said that both black people and women should have the right to vote. He said, in more eloquent terms than this, that by denying women political power, the result was the repudiation, or the denial of truth, of one half of the moral and intellectual power in this world. After his speech, the attendees passed the resolution to ask for women's suffrage. In the North Star shortly after, Douglas published a pro-suffrage editorial, in which he stated, quote, We hold women to be justly entitled to all we claim for man. End quote. In addition to suffrage, Douglas also pushed for desegregation in schools so that Black people would have access to better education systems. In 
Douglas would publish multiple versions of his autobiography over the years, adding more material each time. During the Reconstruction era, he gave many speeches championing these causes. He was also the most photographed American of the 19th century, and this was purposeful on Douglas's part. He wanted to make sure that Americans would see a strong and proud black man that would counter the stereotypes of black people portrayed in minstrel shows and other media. He then served as president of Freedman Bank and later as United States Marshal for the District of Columbia. He worked with activist Ida B. Wells, who we learned about in episode 27 just about a month ago. Other firsts for Douglas and this country were when he was nominated for Vice President of the U.S. on the Equal Rights Party ticket, albeit without his knowledge or consent. (laughs) He also became the first Black person to receive a vote for President at the 1888 Republican National Convention. He was appointed to many roles in the U.S. government and even built rental housing for Black people in Baltimore that still exists today. This housing, Douglas Place, and the family's final home in Washington, D.C. that they named Cedar Hill, are both in the National Register of Historic Places. In February of 1895, Frederick Douglass died of a heart attack at the age of 77. He had attended a meeting of the National Council of Women that very day, and his last lecture had been only 19 days earlier. Thousands of people visited his funeral to show their respect for this extraordinary person and their extraordinary life's work. Okay, dear listeners, here are a few housekeeping items. I want to report on my volunteer work for the months of February and March of 2021. I was able to complete two online volunteer projects with catchafire.org. This website is a great way to use skills you already have to help organizations that need help. For my first project, I edited and added content to a brochure for an organization that helps the Hispanic community in a county here in Minnesota. Next, I helped draft a series of thank you letters for an organization that helps girls and women learn computer skills across the U.S. These opportunities have been great, and I hope to continue this as much as I can in the future. If you are interested in volunteering while staying socially distanced, or if you think your skill set can help, go to catchafire.org and check it out. C-A-T-C-H-A-F-I-R-E dot org. If you liked this episode, you will also like some of the other biography podcast episodes I've done, like Coretta Scott King and Martin Luther King Jr. in episode 7, and Ida B. Wells in episode 27. Go take a listen if you haven't yet. My name is Lonnie Parker Pierce. Let's talk about our past and determine our future. Thanks for listening to Determine Our Future. See my transcript for all of the research I used in the making of this episode. Music credits are as follows. Gravitational Waves, Departures, Sea Change, Recreation, Urban Blues, Black Snow, Forgotten Land, and Night Walk are all by Airtone. Aether Theories is by Vidian. 
and Isolation Swing is by Admiral Bob. See the full credits in the transcripts of each episode. Make sure to follow the podcast on your app so new eps are always available to you whenever you are ready to listen. Talk to you again next week.